Welcome to the Deep Fried Bets Podcast. Blake and Boomer are here for all of your weekly winners. Let's fatten up your wallet. All right, my friends, we're back. It's the Deep Fried Bets Podcast. We're back from a week hiatus, and we're back to give you some winners. It's Blake, it's Boomer, it's Chapter 3.7. We're calling it 3.7, even though we skipped last week of the Deep Fried Bets Podcast. It was a podcastless week. We still posted picks. We still picked some winners, and we're still going to do it again this weekend. Boom, how's it going this evening for you? Oh, pretty good, pretty good. I was, uh, you know, out in the uh, old country last week, just uh, picking, trying to find new vintage grapes for uh, this nice earthy tone, uh, baritone red blend that uh, that I'm sipping on currently tonight. Okay. Um, I don't know what that has to do with the winners, but we've got a lot of them coming up. Uh, great show this week. Peter Burns from ESPN, SEC Network, uh, is joining us here in just a little bit to talk about some college football. Great interview with Peter. Um, so super excited to get to that. That dude is just like genuinely the nicest person we've talked to on this show. So uh, it's always good to have him on. Wait, we we have we have had Chris Felica though. We have had Felica. Felica is uh, also a very nice person to talk to. But uh, Burns, just I don't know, man. Just you talk to some people just for a short amount of time, and you can tell him like this dude is nice as hell. Like, he is a dude that I would want to hang out with and. Peter seems to fit that profile for us. But anyways, we'll get to that here in a little bit. Um, like I said, we got some winners. It's week seven of the college football season. And as we always advise the college football season to do, it needs to slow the hell down. We should not have teams already bowl eligible. Like, that just shouldn't happen. It's going way too fast. It's week six of the NFL season. Um, you know, crazy week last week in both college football and the NFL. We'll get to all that. But speaking of last week, um, there, like I said, there was not a show. We couldn't really make it work with the schedules, but we did still give you picks. We still gave you winners. Boomer gave you a lot of winners. Boomer eight three and one on the weekend last weekend. Uh, he didn't randomly just didn't send me some of the games we were supposed to pick, but that's fine. He still. Uh, hey, I, I was trying to only send you winners. I'm pissed at myself for not going 100 percent last week. Yeah, I mean eight three and one is not bad at all. I went seven six and one, not great, but I guess not a losing weekend. Uh, overall, t- uh, overall total for me is forty six thirty eight and one. Boomer is forty two thirty seven and three. A lot of pushes for him. Um, but we're gonna up those this week. Like I said, it's uh, it's week seven of the college football season. And let's go ahead and talk some college football. Let's uh, let's get Peter in here. Check out this interview with Peter Burns, SEC Network, ESPN. Really good stuff. He helps us break down week seven of the college football season. All right, my friends, we'd like to welcome Peter Burns to the Deep Fried Bets podcast. Peter, you know him from ESPN, SEC Network. Um, he's here to talk some college football with us. <clears throat> ah, sorry, Peter, thanks so much for joining us again. How's it going this evening? Good, man. I mean, it's kind of hard to believe. It's actually almost sad that the, the season is like halfway over, you know, like we look forward to it for, you know, 365 days a year and it seems like it's already flying by. And honestly, we're six weeks through it. And I still don't know what the hell we're looking at some of these teams, man. We're yeah. still trying to figure some of them out. Yeah, that's what I mean. I was just talking to my wife this weekend. Like, it's it's crazy that most teams have already finished half their season. Um, and, you know, like the, right. the, the dog days of summer, and now here we are already weeks, six weeks in. Um, but, yeah, I mean, you kind of hit on it. I don't know who's good and who's not good either, <laughs> especially in the SEC. I know, like, I, know, 
I know I know Bama's good. Right. I think we can I think we can at least all agree on that. Uh, and two is good. Yeah. But yeah, I mean, even even some of the upper echelon teams too, right? Like I mean, we're talking about um, you know with Georgia. I think we're going to find out a lot this weekend about. <laughs> hey, are they that good because of last year's team and that's why they're ranked second? Or are they truly deserving of that ranking? Yeah, I think it might have something to do with last year. And speaking of, you mentioned Alabama. As an Alabama grad, I'd like to thank you for uh, for possibly single-handedly getting Alabama into the playoff last year. Um, some strong <laughs> Twitter campaigning out of you and really appreciated that. That was, that was fun to see. But, um, yeah, I mean, you mentioned Alabama. I, I think that they're probably definitely the top team in the SEC. Then Georgia, who do you think is after them? You know, I think that's where the jumble is, right? You know, I would have said Auburn when we looked at it after week one, but with the, the issues that, um, you know, Gus Malzahn has had on that offensive line, they've regressed a little bit. Um, you know, LSU, I never thought that they were a top five team. I thought they deserved to be top five, but they were not the fifth best team in the country. If that made sense. Right. You know, like they had, they had earned that ranking, but they truly weren't the fifth best team, and we saw that in Florida. Listen, I think Florida is limited – but they're also talented. Like, I don't think they have that top level that Georgia and Bama can have, but they'll punch you in the face. And we saw that last week with, with that LSU-Florida game in Gainesville. So I, I truly don't know if there's a second. Um, you know, I, I think the pecking order clearly is Alabama in its own tier. I think Georgia is on its own tier. And then after that, that tier three is LSU, A&M, Florida, Kentucky. And, and their great teams are top 25 teams. But I don't think they're title contenders. Okay, yeah, I mean, just when you have you think you somewhat have it figured out, you have LSU go on the road, on the road, lose to Florida, you know, A and M or yeah, A and M takes care of Kentucky, Auburn loses to Mississippi State, just crazy. I mean, it's all over the place. Um, so you kind of hit on a little bit. You know what it reminds you know what it reminds me of? It reminds me of the NFL. Yeah, like you know, in the NFL, you think, oh, okay, well. I know I, I think this team is better or this team is better, but then you realize the talent level is so good that there's not there's there's this parity every single weekend to where anybody can beat each other on a given weekend except for the upper echelon teams, and, and I think that upper echelon to you is your tie. Yeah. Um, I mean, it is crazy. Just like you said, I mean, yeah, you really do. You go into every weekend feeling like, there could be a big upset or anybody can beat anybody, you know, maybe except with the exception of Alabama right now. Um, do you see a defense that's left on the schedule or even maybe in the playoff that can slow Alabama's offense down at all? Um, I mean, I mean, obviously the big one is going to be LSU on a Saturday night in Death Valley. I mean, that, that, that to me with Dave Aranda, um, you know, the last couple of years, although, you know, Alabama has looked like by far the superior team. LSU plays them tight, and it really has just been the Jalen Hurts, you know, equation that, that put the tide up over the last two years. So physically, I think that's going to be the first time that they're going to be tested, and, and that's good. I mean, listen, Alabama's schedule sets up perfect for them because, you know, even the Arkansas game, it's a great win for Alabama because there's, you know, it's a comfortable win. The game is never really in, in question. However, there's enough film for Nick Saban to come in on Sunday night and Monday morning and be livid as hell to think, guys, this is our soft spot. Like, we will lose a game if we play like this. So, you know, uh, that, that's a good problem to have when, you're, when you get enough good, you, when you have bad tape on a 30-point victory because that means uh, your offense is just on a different level. Yep. Um, so you mentioned LSU Saturday in Death Valley. They've got Georgia coming into town. 
you know, they're sitting around about a seven-point favorite right now. What, what's your thoughts on that game? Do you have any – have you really dove deep into that one yet? Yeah, you know, we've been looking at that. The, the different – like, I started looking at – you know, the SEC traditionally is always, as much as we talk about quarterbacks and running backs and fun wide receivers and stuff, it's a line of scrimmage league, right? Year in and year out, what you can bet, bet on since 1935 to 1965 to 85 to 95 to 2018 is that if you can stop the run and you can run the ball, you're going to have success. And I look at Georgia having struggles on their offensive line right now being injured and their defensive line being banged up as they lost another couple of guys this weekend, and they were already in a tough spot. This is a game in which I think LSU actually has the better line of scrimmage. Okay. And so it, it will the will the you know, Terry Godwins, will the Miko Hardmans and Demetrius Robinson, those guys, will they be enough of playmakers against LSU's defense? I think so. Um, however, I, I, this is one of those, I feel like 17, 14 games that I remember, I don't know if you remember 2003 LSU beat Georgia, Skylar green, last second pass from Matt Mock with about a minute 30 left, went yep. back and forth all game long. And that was the year LSU won the national championship. I feel like it's going to be one of those games, but Georgia ends up victorious this time. Okay. So, um, how much of Justin Fields do you think we see on Saturday? Um, I think enough to have a wrinkle. The thing that I've been impressed with, with how Kirby has managed the quarterback situation is he's done it and just been, there's transparency. He's like, Hey, listen, there's a competition. And if Fromm slips up a little bit, we're going to play fields a little bit more. And it seems like from Jake Fromm responds to that really well. Like some guys would get into their own mind and be like, gosh, I can't mess up. It almost raises the level of play when when it, it's kind of threatened that Fields is going to play more. And I think that's why we see Fromm do pretty solid. So um, I think we'll see packages for him, but I still think this team runs through Jake Fromm unless, listen, they find themselves down, you know, two touchdowns and Fromm has made some mistakes, which I don't think happens. But if he does, that's a hell of a backup quarterback to go to yeah. in Justin Fields. No joke. So, you know, with the way the college football is playing out now, everybody – wants to transfer, especially at the quarterback position, as soon as they find out they're not necessarily the guy. Do you think Georgia has any problems with that in the offseason? Um, I think it gets closer, right? I think this is the year that when I was down in Athens, Fields looks the part, yep. plays the part, but I think he was still learning. And I think he knew that Jake Fromm was the leader of this team. And I think that was an issue that Kirby looked at and says, hey, listen, this is a great problem to have. Like, I'd rather go in my garage and have a Maserati and a Ferrari than have – you know, you know, only one sports car. Right. So, uh, you know, I'm not going to weep too bad for Kirby when he goes into that quarterback garage. I mean, he, he's got two pretty good ones. So I think it will become an issue that needs to be addressed. However, I, I don't even think it's entered the mind of Kirby, nor has it entered the mind of Jake Fromm, nor Justin Fields. I think um, they know that Fromm is the leader of this team. Justin can help. And that's the delicate balance that Kirby's doing a great job of managing right now. Okay. So, you know, we've hit a lot on the SEC teams. Um, Alabama, I, I think everybody would pretty much agree, top team in the country. Who outside of the Crimson Tide do you think uh, is the best team other than, you know, we talked about Georgia a little bit. We're not sure if they're quite there. You know, is it Ohio State, Clemson? Who do you think is that uh, next team up? Well, I don't think there's a doubt that it's, it's Ohio State. I mean, now that all the Urban Meyer stuff is kind of calmed down, I mean, this team is – is humming. The, the issue is, is two weeks in a row, the Penn State game, the Indiana game, 
they got off to slow starts, and it's not a level of talent. Like, roster-wise, Ohio State's the closest thing to Alabama in college football. I mean, they've got a better roster than Georgia, better roster than Clemson, everybody. It's just, for whatever reason, they just get sucker-punched early in games and then have to come back. It's almost like they're not focused to begin with, as opposed to Alabama, who just comes out there and just terminates you right off the bat. So, um, I think Ohio State's the second-best team in the country. I think they should be ranked second, um, but we'll see. Um, you know, they still have a tough road to hoe, but that, that comeback victory against Penn State, you know, that, that, was, that was impressive, man, um, because that was a hard place to play, and when they want to turn it on, they can turn it on. And I think they're the closest team, and I would have said Oklahoma had they not fallen to, to Texas. Um, so I think as far as danger to Bama, if Bama continues to play well, it's just the Buckeyes. Okay. Um, you know, Clemson was a team kind of came into this season. Everybody thought was that perennial number two team. Um, what, what's your thoughts on them? You know, they kind of had slipped a little bit after that close law or close win against Syracuse. And then last week came out and just blew the doors off. Did not, you know, not a terrible Wake Forest team. You think they, uh, yeah. as long as Lawrence can stay healthy, you think they'll still be in the mix there at the end of the year? Yeah, I think so. I, I think their front seven was not as daunting as as, as we, we thought coming in. Um, but I think as long as they stay healthy, they're in good shape. Um, I, again, I I think that Lawrence is good. I don't think he's great. Like two is great, right? Like I think Lawrence has a bigger top end uh, ceiling than Kelly Bryant did, and that's why Dabo ended up starting him. But I'm not sure that push comes to shove in a big moment if Lawrence doesn't have some issues. So, um, but again, I mean, listen, as far as I'm concerned, I think Clemson actually has an easier run to the college football playoff than Alabama. Despite how good Alabama is, Clemson has a cakewalk. I mean, there's nobody that's worth a damn in the ACC this year. So for them, as long as they don't stub their toe, which they've done before, but I don't see that happening with this defense. Uh, You know, in the past, you stub your toe because all of a sudden, hey, you know, somebody can put up 31 points. I just don't see that happening against Clemson. So uh, I think they can already make their um, their travel arrangements uh, because I think they'll end up being one of the top four seeds. Okay. Another team that's kind of still lurking out there in the top four or five is Notre Dame. Um, you know, not the, the most sexy pick in terms of teams that you really want to see in the playoff. It, you know, I, I mean, I think if they run the table, they're, they're in for sure, but – what what are your thoughts on that? Are they are they any good or are we you know classic Notre Dame probably not as good as their rank that kind of thing? I think they're better. Um, I think they're better than they have been. And what I mean by that is, um, I think in years past they've always got by on their brand, but since they went with Ian Book, it's almost like Brian Kelly saw Nick Saban make the decision to go to Tua last year and be like, listen. It, it don't matter to make the college football playoff. I'm here to win this thing. And so I've got to make a tough decision. And he went with Ian Book after a win, um, and they've been scoring 47 points a game. They've got good special teams. They found Dexter Williams uh, as a good running back because there was their third-string guy. So, um, yeah, and again, I think when it comes down to it, there'll be enough between the Michigan win, the Virginia Tech win, and Stanford that people will look at it and go, all right, that's a marquee enough thing we want to see if Notre Dame can do it I still listen if I'm Alabama and considering I think they're in the college football playoff I sure as hell want to see Notre Dame in there because I think that would be just an absolute destruction yeah I agree I don't think that they're 
Yeah, I, I mean, I like what you said. I think they're better than they have been in the past, but I still don't think they're in the, the top four level. All right, so before we get you out of here, you know, pretty good slate of SEC games this weekend. Do you see any upsets, anything that uh, that we can be talking about on Monday as kind of a crazy win? Um, you know what? This is really interesting to me because I think this Tennessee game in Auburn is real intriguing because this is a game that Tennessee had a bye week. They were able to get ready to go. And now Auburn is, you know, backs up against the wall. Um, and so I, I, that's why I'm really intrigued by this game um, coming up this weekend. I, I'm not saying I'm calling for an upset, but if there's one on my radar, like I think Florida has no problem with Vandy. Um, and so I, I think Auburn, Tennessee is the one I'm intrigued with. And also, I actually like the upset of Arkansas and Little Rock against uh, Ole Miss. You know, okay. Ole Miss is fun, but I think their defense is so bad. And I think this is a game that, that Chad Morris, their defense has been a little bit better, and they're finding out kind of their identity and what they're going to run. Um, so I, I think that Chad Morris and Arkansas could end up beating uh, Ole Miss this weekend. Okay. So Arkansas, Tennessee, a couple to look out for. All right, Peter. Well, thanks again for joining us again. Y'all check him out. On Twitter, at Peter Burns, ESPN, SEC Network, ESPN, he's all over the place, talking college football. Thanks so much for joining us, Peter. Anytime, man. Let's do it later on the season for sure. Sounds good. All right, we are back. And again, thanks to Peter of ESPN, SEC Network, for joining us, breaking down some football for us. Really good stuff there. Um, But like I said, week seven, college football, we have a couple scheduled games, and so I'll run over this just in case you're not super familiar with how we do things here at the Deep Fried Bets podcast. We uh, we pick our scheduled games, which are going to be the games you're going to be watching. You want to have some action on them, even though they might not necessarily be our favorite bets of the weekend. We always are picking the big games. So this weekend, obviously, Georgia LSU, Wisconsin, Michigan, Washington, Oregon, probably some of the bigger games. We're going to be on those. Then we got also the- we might all, we might be on the uh, Kent State Miami of Ohio right. New Mexico and uh, Colorado State the, the other big games exactly actual, uh, Liberty we games. might we might sneak Liberty in there again those are where we're going to be making money you're right then uh, we do the NFL again we pick uh, we pick the big games there too but like you know we we always say we're we're kind of geared a little more towards college football that's where our money is made we definitely still bet the NFL but we know. We're we're comfortable with our enough with ourselves to know that the NFL or the college football is really where our bread is buttered. And then what the, we do at the end of the show is called the Vault. It's our five favorite picks, and then we have what's called the Stone Cold Steve Austin Like of the Week. It's everybody's favorite part of the week. Just winners, cold beers, and winners. I mean, you can't beat it. Um, but we get to all that shortly. You also you also left out the uh, MLL uh, games that we usually give out from time to time whenever the season gets started. The what now? The MLL. I don't know that I'm familiar with the MML. Come on, man. The uh, Major League Lacrosse? The Swarm? Yeah, no, I don't know anything about Major League Lacrosse. This is not a lacrosse podcast, boom. I try to uh, educate myself and become well-versed in uh, all different ways to uh, monetarily cash in. Okay, so in a couple of years, when you have your firstborn, you name him Brixen, we will know why. It's because you've been tapping into Major League Lacrosse a little too much. Anyways... That's uh that's that. So we teased it. It's week seven. We've got a Thursday night game. Pretty nice little matchup. Big uh, Big Twelve matchup. Big Twelve that does not have twelve members. Uh, Texas Tech going on the road to TCU. Uh, TCU got a win last week against Iowa State, and uh, before that had a couple losses to Texas and 
Ohio State before that, and then you got a, a Texas Tech team coming in, hungry. Kingsbury needs all the big wins he can get. Thursday night, TCU, um, our friend Alex Masson, friend of the show, talking about this earlier today, pointed out that there are still a lot of tickets for cheap on StubHub, so he's not expecting to sell out. Doesn't, doesn't think that the crowd will be that much of a factor here. What's your take on this game, Boom? Yeah, I mean, not a not a great side or feel on this game. I will say that uh, both teams are relatively banged up. It seems like Texas Tech is a little bit more banged up. Uh, last I saw, Alan Bowman is questionable for the game tomorrow. That being said, he'll probably give it a go out there. I'm going to uh, I'm going to go ahead and I'm going to swallow the points. Surprisingly, on on Thursday night, usually I like to. Uh, Go with the underdog in these types of spots and the letdown games. In this case, Sean Robinson kind of getting over that shoulder issue. I think he's going to be fully prepared. Games in Fort Worth. Gary Patterson still kind of have uh, have a little bit of something to play for. I, I think that uh, I think they come out swinging in the game tomorrow night. Um, let's see. It's a. I, th- I think I can get it at seven. Yeah, you can uh, get it at seven. So I'll go ahead and take I'll take the seven worst case of the push, but I, I have a feel that Texas Tech isn't going to show up in this game. Okay, TCU. Yeah, I am. I'm a little more in favor of the under of 62, just because I think generally with these Thursday night games, defense shows up a little better than offense. Takes the offense a little longer to get rolling, so they'll probably score some points. Uh, definitely take the first half under. I'm not 100 percent sure what it is, but I like the first half under, and then under 62 for the game. But I do like your point with TCU. Um, you know, they do have two losses, but only one of them is in conference. One of them was two Ohio State, so obviously that's not going to count for the Big 12 standings. You know, Oklahoma's got a loss in the conference. Texas, they don't have a loss yet, but it's Texas. You know, do we really expect them to run the table after losing to Maryland? I know that, you know, that was a while ago, but they still lost to Maryland. We can't completely discount that. Um, so, Patterson, you know, they're probably out of a, out of the running for the national title, but this is TCU and Gary Patterson. Like he's got to be realistic about his chances every year of not winning the national championship. It's probably you know, not number. I mean, it's everyone's goal going into the season, obviously. But uh, you got to think that the Big Twelve championship is a little bit more aspiring for them. So I think that's something they can still reach. And I'm with you. Uh, I think TCU at home, short week, uh, they get the job done by ten or so. But I'm gonna feel a little more comfortable taking the under. It might be a situation where I tease the under and TCU. Uh, maybe get that around one and the under around 68, something like that. So that's our Thursday night college football game. Um, Friday night, we've got a couple of interesting games. And it's Friday night. You need some action. Friday night lights. So we're going to pick you a Friday night game. Boom, what's your favorite Friday night game this week? Yeah, I mean, I I don't really love anything on Friday night. Um, I was just going to kind of go off the board and and give a six lock, but uh, apparently – that was frowned upon last time. So, uh, in the spirit of gamesmanship, I think what I'll end up doing is going with San Diego State minus the eleven and a half against okay. Air Force. Air Force has kept most of their games uh, close so far this year. Come off a huge, uh, 
Huge blowout win against Navy. I think they're going to be riding high. This game is at San Diego State. Uh, San Diego State has looked great this yeah, week. They've been ab- absolutely on fire. They have only been two and four against the spread this year. I think they get that back to the mean a little bit this week. So um, I'm looking, you know, once San Diego State gets rolling in this game, it's going to be hard for Air Force to get back into it. It's either going to be uh, a three-point game or a, 25 point game okay so i'm gonna err on the on the latter side there okay so you're gonna take the points san diego state you're gonna eat the points okay minus 11 and a half friday night um i am i'm gonna take a different game so you know obviously like i said college football fans we're all big fans of the show college game day so we know who lee corso is and corso is is famous in terms of uh he's famous for a lot of reasons obviously but you know he always talks about when he sees a game that doesn't really make much sense, that uh, somebody knows something and he's siding with the somebody's, and I think we got a siding with the somebody's situation coming up on Friday night. We got South Florida and Tulsa. South Florida is undefeated. Um, they are six and zero, or maybe five and zero. They might have had a game canceled to the hurricane. Either way, they are undefeated. Charlie Strong looks good. Blake Barnett, that name has resurfaced. He was an Alabama transfer and went to Arizona State. He is leading the the South Florida Bulls. They are a seven-point favorite. That is all against Tulsa, a two-win Tulsa team who uh, had to hang on for dear life to cover last Thursday against um, Houston. This should be – I mean, seven doesn't make sense to me in this spot. It's at Tulsa, but that's not like a raging atmosphere or anything like that. I would have imagined this game would be around 13-14, but it's at seven. So this is – Purely a siding with the somebody's side for me. Uh, I'm going to take uh, something because it just, this line stinks, and I'm going to take the side that stinks. So give me a Tulsa plus seven at home on Friday night. All right, next up. Yeah, that line that line smells like bullshit. Yeah, it's terrible. So uh, we're gonna. That's why we're you gonna take. You see it. I did there. Yeah, you did. Um, I see what you did. Yeah, you made a pun. Good for you, Ben. Um, and next up, we've got. Uh, Saturday, Saturday action, the CBS 3.30 slash 2.30 Central game. It's Georgia traveling to Death Valley. LSU coming off a weird loss at Florida. Uh, That one probably a lot closer than the score indicated. Florida picked one off with like two minutes left, took it to the house. It's Georgia minus seven at LSU. It's a 2.30 game, so it's not quite as an intimidating atmosphere as a – a night kickoff would be you might get where this is in the fourth quarter at night, but I doubt it. Uh, doesn't usually get dark till about 6.15, 6.30 around these parts now. So should be a completely in-the-day game, but that's not going to keep the swamp creatures at bay uh, too much. LSU, seven-point home dog. I'm going to take the Tigers in this one. I think this is kind of a letdown. Last week was kind of a letdown spot for them. They're maybe kind of looking ahead to Georgia. Everybody been hyping this up, you know. As Peter hit on, I've been telling you all year. I don't think LSU's that good. Um, they definitely weren't a top five team in my book, but he did make some good points. They had earned it to that point. They'd beaten the top ten Miami at the time, and then the top ten Auburn at the time. As we've seen, maybe neither of those teams are that great. But uh, LSU, you know, a little higher ranked than they should have been. But playing at home, it's just going to be a it's going to be a punch you in the mouth kind of game. Georgia will get out with a win, but I do like LSU to keep it within the number. What do you got on Saturday, Ben? Yeah, I mean, uh, it's a tough number, pretty much. Um, 
I would say that if LSU did what they should have done, went into Florida and won that game, this number would probably be closer to four and a half. They didn't. Um, Georgia looks pretty damn good. They had some pickups against Tennessee, but got out of that without there being really any kind of shredded down the game. Right. I guess uh, I guess I, I would side with LSU here, and I think it's seven and a half with that. So I think the half point makes a big deal here. Um, you know, is it is it Burrow? Bar Burrow Joe Burrow came from a yeah. So he kind of has regressed the past uh, couple of weeks from the high start he has. Yeah, trying to tell y'all he, he wasn't very good either. Um, I mean, you know, we saw that he has potential. I mean, Miami's got a good defense. Auburn has a good defense. Those are pretty much well known. It's just the other side of the ball that sucks. So that being said, I think that LSU can, can hang with them. Um, I, I could see this kind of being one of those uh, last-second Death Valley types of games at, at night where Georgia has the ball on – LSU's 45, and they send out Hot Rod to hit a damn 57-yard field goal to win the game. Okay, so you're going with uh, LSU plus the seven here. All right, next up on Saturday, we got Washington and Oregon. Oregon is a three-point home dog. Uh, Chris Peterson, the Huskies, have rebounded nicely since that loss to Auburn in the opening week, and then last week happened. They just got punched in the mouth by Utah. Did not look good at all. Um I don't really – that was kind of a weird game. But uh, Oregon, like I said, at home, three-point dogs. Their sole loss came that inexplicable Stanford game. So, Boone, what's your side on this? Yeah, I absolutely love Washington in this spot, uh, especially after after losing the way they did last week. Um, I think that Peterson rallies. He, he is a solid coach. He's great in these types of situations. They've been down to Eugene. Several times, Jake Browning's experienced the atmosphere. Uh, Oregon, still don't really know what they are. I was high on them against Stanford, and they not only blew, what was it, a 21-point lead, but they yeah. still didn't cover that game. So I got a bad taste in my mouth with those guys. I'm going to definitely be on Washington on Saturday, uh, even eating the three in this spot. Yep, I'm with you. Um, I think Justin Herbert for Oregon, really, really good. Um, he's going to be a top five, if not the number one overall pick in the draft coming up in April. But he will have a little bit of an issue on Saturday. Washington's got pretty good cornerbacks. Um, you know, they always put guys in the league. Um, you know, I don't really know about their pro prospects right now, but they'll they'll be ready to play. Like you said, Peterson, he's a top five, top ten coach in the country. I don't know that I'm ready to say that about Mario Cristobal at all. So. Um, yeah, I think this is an overreaction. I think this game would have been four and a half between four and a half and seven had uh, Washington done the, what they were supposed to do last week. They did not. They got blown out by Utah. So now you're getting a little bit of value. I still think that Washington's probably the class of the Pac-10 or Pac-12. I don't think they're that great, but I don't think anybody in the Pac-12 is that great. Oregon's probably still about a year away. If they could convince Herbert to come back next year, I think they might be a perennial top 10 team, but I don't think they're there quite yet. I think that uh, Phil Knight's money, those jerseys and everything, is kind of propping them up a little bit more than they should be. So I'm going to take Washington. I'm with you. I'm going to eat the three, and I think they'll get about a 7 to 10 point win on Saturday in Eugene. Next up, it's uh, it's the game day game of the week. It's, you know uninspiring but it is what it is it's the big house we got michigan versus wisconsin 
Um, Wisconsin's an eight-point dog. Hadn't really heard much out of Wisconsin since that loss to BYU. They've just been kind of ticking along, ticking along. And I think they're ready for a prime upset on Saturday. I don't know that I'm ready to call them outright winners. I'm going to take the eight because that's a lot of points in a game that I think is going to be about a 24-23 slugfest. But I like Wisconsin here. I like the Badgers to get the job done on Saturday night. I think Michigan is still kind of rolling on that name of Harbaugh. At block M, I don't think they're as good as a lot of people are giving them credit for. You know, their opening loss against Notre Dame looks better and better and better. But I just don't think I'm ready to crown them as, as that great. And I think Wisconsin shows you on Saturday. I think that offensive line, uh, Taylor, they really get going. Uh, I think Wisconsin, I, I'm going to probably end up being on the money line when it gets closer to kickoff. But as of now, I'm going to stick with the eight. Boom, what's your take? Yeah, full disclosure, I pretty much lose money every single time that two mediocre uh, Big Ten teams that are ranked between 13 and 18 face off in the game day spot uh, at night. Very specific. So, what do you that being said, well, I, I have a huge historian uh, book that pretty much gets jotted down uh, every single week. I also have the MLL games that started up a couple of years ago in there. But. In this game, I'm going to go ahead and take Michigan. Uh, may may want to fade me on this game, but that being said, I think that Michigan has uh, got the train back on the tracks. Um, their defense still, in my opinion, is one of the best in the country. I think it matches up perfectly with uh, what Wisconsin actually can do on the offensive side of the ball. Wisconsin lost to a terrible BYU team, so we know what their worst looks like. Um, I think that the uh, big house is rocking. One of the first big games this season happened there at night. Um, I, I could see this being a two-touchdown game or, or more. Okay. So you're rolling with the Wolverines on Saturday night. All right. Um, I, don't, I don't love it. But also, we'll huge, huge, huge uh, Wolverine guy. Yeah, you have uh, been my national championship pick the past four years, I believe. Yeah, you were big on the Wolverines, but um, – I'm not. Don't think they get the job done on Saturday. Oh, well, we'll get to some NFL here in just a second, but it's time. We'd like to get you involved. It's the Twitter question of the week. Our boy Matt Zelensky. Matt started us off uh, with a great question. You know, like we said, we skipped the podcast last week. He uh, he started us off asking if there's a podcast this week or is Boomer still drunk? Um, to which I responded, that guy gets the show. He, uh, he, he, he understands what's going on around here. Obviously, there will be a podcast. So he had a follow-up question. Uh, Boom, you particularly like this one. If Tua plays in the fourth quarter, does he break college football? Um, I think that he would break anybody else's hopes and dreams of uh, – of accomplishing anything more than that, that guy's accomplished this year. Yeah. Hard goes out to him. Could happen to him. Could happen to a better, better human being and a better football team. And God bless Nick Saban. Cause you know, that man's just doing the Lord's work done and done in Tuscaloosa. He is, man. He's really, really spread joy throughout, uh, throughout the Bible belt. So, you know, I'll, I'll raise a glass to him, you know, cause it couldn't have happened to a better community down there. I think they're calling it Saban's joyless murder ball. Um, I'm okay with it, but yeah. So, just as a reference, in case you haven't heard, uh, Tua Tagovailoa for the Alabama Crimson Tide 
just absurd numbers. I think he has 18 touchdowns to 25 incompletions on the year, but he is yet to play in a fourth quarter. So that's where that question comes from. I don't know that you'll see it on Saturday either without him playing Missouri, but that's neither here nor there. Uh, we appreciate the question, Matt. So y'all check us out on Twitter, Facebook, Instagram. Love getting those questions. Y'all send them our way. We will answer anything. I think we have proven that in the past and, and it is true. We will answer literally anything. So speaking of anything and toss ups, we got the NFL week six, Thursday night game. It is the Eagles and the Giants. I don't ha- I mean, I could not have less of a side on this. Boom. Do you have anything that can steer me in the right direction? Yeah, I mean, uh, full disclosure, last uh, Sunday I had um, a live bet opportunity on the Giants against the Panthers money line that I believe uh, was taken at around plus 535. Now this is for entertainment purposes only, of course. Of course. But that being said, a lot of entertainment, a lot of entertainment just – left me whenever Graham Gano went out there and kicked uh what is it, NFL record? Time? It is NFL uh, record the, the second, second longest field goal of all time by a yard. And 63-yarder to win it. And when they, when they trotted him out there, I mean, already just some absolute bonehead. Like, I watched the NFL on Sundays, and obviously these guys are the best of the best. But these coaches just make some of the dumbest ass decisions I've ever seen. Like, they're so afraid to go for it on fourth and inches. And they're so, like, McCarthy kept sending Crosby out there. The dude missed five kicks. Like, how many times do you have to not see that ball go through the uprights and just not send your guy out there anymore? And then, you know, this was not, but anyways, like, you know, to my point, like when they send the dude, when they send Gano out there, I'm like, what in the hell are you doing? This is a 63 yarder to win the game. But, you know, obviously I was wrong in that situation. But it's just like crazy. And you watch Sunday night's game, Bill O'Brien, and I'll get off my soapbox here in a second. Like they get to the goal line, they ran like 20 something plays inside the 10 yard line and got like 12 points out of it. But I digress, anyways. Um, Back to thank point. you for uh, thank you for your analysis on the uh, Eagles Giants game. I think you convinced me right there to go ahead and take the Giants in the points. Well, actually, yeah. I mean, if anything, I think I just convinced myself to take uh, the Eagles minus three because coaching. I, I trust Doug Peterson a lot more than I trust Pat Shermer. So, uh, yeah, I didn't really have a side, but after my little rant right there, I have decided that I'm going to go with the Eagles minus three. Booms taking the Giants plus three. Um, the, uh, Sunday game, probably the game of the day that is not the primetime game is the Steelers, my uh, plus two in the hook at the Bengals. That's crazy that the Bengals are two and a half point favorite, but the Cincinnati's look pretty good this year. Red rifle, the, uh, the BB gun, the red rider BB gun, as you like to call him. He's looked all right this year. What's your take on this game? Yeah, they got extremely lucky, uh, against the Dolphins last week. Um, randomly got sucked into watching a uh, decent amount of that game. And they were a uh, bobbled fumble interception, take it back for a touchdown away from being blown out of that game. Uh, I am going to side with the Steelers right here. Maybe the wrong side, but I, I just, I think that they're running on all cylinders at this point. I think they finally found the groove. The locker room starting to be a little bit more cohesive. And I just got to have them win the damn game. I feel a hell of a lot more confident than uh, having to be on Andy Dalton praying that he gets 
third and 27 when they blind pass to A.J. Green uh, on an out route. Yep, I'm with you. I like Pittsburgh, too. I think you hit on the key point here. They are seem to be kind of firing all, all cylinders right now, and they usually do this every year. They'll get into a groove, and they look pretty much unstoppable for a couple weeks. And then something crazy happens in the locker room, and all that goes away. You know, Le'Veon, the news that he's coming back, I think props him up a little bit. You know, the last couple of weeks they had pretty big wins over the Bucks, and then just blew out the Falcons last week. I think that continues. I think they get a win on the road. Uh, probably take the money line because money line two and a half, not much of a difference. So give me the Steelers money line in this one, and I think they get the job done. Because I'm with you. It's it's hard to bet on Andy Dalton, no matter what he's shown me this year. Um, so next up, we got the primetime game. This is going to be a fascinating game to watch. You got the Chiefs and you got the Patriots. The Chiefs are actually an underdog this year, or uh, for the first time this year, I believe. Maybe they were that first game against the Chargers, but they are three to three and a half point underdogs, depending on where you're looking at. To the Patriots, Patty Mahomes road test in Foxborough on Sunday night. What's your take on this, Boom? Yeah, I mean, you know, they threw up that three and a half Vegas did only because they knew they were going to get Chiefs money coming in. So they had to limit a little bit of liability right there. For the reason you're seeing that, it'll be at three before game time. I don't see it going to two and a half. If it does go to two and a half, I'll definitely grab the Patriots. But um, if you can get three and a half, I would go ahead and take the Chiefs and then hope it gets to two and a half with whoever you go through. Take the Patriots, try to middle it at three and then live bet it a little bit personally. It's how I'd approach it. Um, that being said, I think that the Chiefs definitely are going to have a letdown spot. It may be this weekend. Uh, they haven't really shown anything. They've kind of dealt with adversity. They haven't just been blowing everybody out. Um, the Patriots have a ton of people on their injury report, as always. Don't really know who is actually on there, but... I think this game stays close. If it stays at three, it's a pick 'em game. I'll err on the side of the Chiefs, although the Patriots seem to have gotten everything together and could definitely blow this game wide open. Okay. Yeah, I'm going to take the Patriots. Um, minus three at home. You're taking the Patriots and you're betting against the public. So I like that. You don't get that very often. The, you know, Belichick. We always hit on this. You know, he tries to take away your biggest offensive weapon. I don't know who he's going to go with here. I think he'll have some stuff from Mahomes though, that he hasn't seen. Obviously, the Patriots defense hasn't been what it has been or hasn't been the past couple of years what it's been in the past. But they can still get the job done. This is a Sunday night. I think Belichick's probably tired of hearing all the crap, you know, that the Chiefs are definitely the best team in the NFL, definitely the best team in the AFC. He's going to have a plan for him. He'll show them something he hadn't seen. they hadn't seen on Sunday. And it's like I keep hitting on every year with the NFL. The way it's set up, that the way the league has structured itself, you're probably not ever going to see another undefeated team. Um, it's just the way that the salary cap and everything works. Like they don't want that. They want parity. They, you know, they pray for parity. And I think that at some point when a team starts getting five and zero, six and zero, seven and zero, like that just doesn't last very long. Uh, so you kind of look for fade opportunities. I think this is a good one. So I, I'm going to take the uh, the Pats minus the three on Sunday night and hope that they get about a touchdown win against the Chiefs. All right, so that's the Sunday night game. The Monday night game, not quite as interesting on paper. 
You got the C.J. Beathard-led San Francisco 49ers traveling across the country to Lambeau to face Aaron Rodgers and the Pack. The Pack are a 9.5 to 10-point favorite, depending on what book you choose to use. We're going to use 9.5 for this exercise. Boom, what's your take? Yeah, I mean, there's so many different uh, different odds things that you could do right here with regards to the favorite winning on Monday Night Football so far this year. Or how both teams performed last week, which was terrible. Um, nine and a half. I mean, it's a ton of points. That being said, I, you know, not a great feel on this one, but I'll take the Packers uh, along with most of the majority of, of human beings in the country. I just CJ Beathard doesn't look like he he tries and has done a decent job, but they also showed how terrible they can be against a bad Cardinals team last week. I think the fact that Aaron Rodgers kind of got blown out last week against the Lions, they bounce back and try to put this one away early. Okay. I'm fading you here. I like the 49ers. They looked awful against the Cardinals last week, um, and I think that that's kind of got some – maybe got them another point added to their total. Uh, Beathard has some experience. He started last year for a little bit um, before Garoppolo came in, so it's not like he's just some fresh-off-the-boat guy who's never started many games. Usually when a a team has to travel cross-country like this, it's something that I look out for. But you get an extra day, so I don't think that that's really going to factor in with it being a Monday night game. So I like the 49ers to keep it close. Rodgers is good, obviously. I think the Pack will win. don't think they'll have any problem. But, you know, probably a backdoor cover opportunity here for the 49ers when Green Bay is taking out their starters. I think that – Beathard could go get a feel-good touchdown. Ten points in the NFL is a lot of points. I generally take the the team that's getting the ten, and I'm going to do that here as well. Take the Chiefs to round out our scheduled games for the week. So next up, it's uh, it's what we call the vault. It's our five favorite non-scheduled games of the week. Like you said, Boomer, we can see New Mexico. We can see Colorado State. We can see Liberty. We could see, I mean, whoever. There's no telling who might show up in this. So now that I've got you uh, all primed up for it, what are your five favorite non-scheduled games of the week? <laughs> Did you just uh, mention the exact same three teams that we mentioned earlier in the podcast? That's pretty impressive. I did, yeah. I, mean, I have a great, great uh, memory. Yeah, I didn't realize uh, I was working with Rayman right here. Yep. <laughs> well... Um, that being said, I am going to go ahead and start this show with the average zips plus 11 and a half at Buffalo. I've liked Buffalo all year. Um, I was on them a couple weeks ago against army and they lost outright. Unfortunately, that being said, I think Akron's got some firepower. This is a, uh, intermaction game, uh, against two of the, the top teams. Give me Akron plus the points next. Going to roll over to the West Coast with the line slash trap game that makes absolutely no sense of the entire weekend. I'm going to go with USC minus seven against the undefeated Colorado Buffaloes. That line just comes out of nowhere. USC has not looked great this year. Even though they're playing at home, Colorado, I think they have a game day special on Colorado's quarterback. That's always um, bad uh, bad voodoo right before game time on Saturday. I'm going to swallow the seven. Public's going to be all over Colorado. Probably going to get that line of six and a half if you wait before game time. Then, going to give you a noon game. 
this one stinks. I hate that I'm a contrarian better, and I hate that I have to take the Minnesota Golden Gophers yeah, plus 30 yep. at, at Ohio State. Um, you know, Ohio State has handedly beat some of the worst teams that they've played, i.e. Rutgers. I think Minnesota's a little bit better than Rutgers. 30 points is a lot. Probably going to keep running up, maybe get 31. <laughs> but it's probably not going to make too much of a difference because it's not going to get within uh, 27. So, that being said, stomach it. Take the goal and go for plus of 30. Then, this week, giving out two Sunday specials. Oh. First one is going to be going to be the Washington Redskins at home. Minus one against the Panthers. Panthers squeezed out a huge win last week, like we mentioned, against the Giants. Uh, Redskins got totally dominated on a short week Monday night football. I think they bounced back. Love finding the value here. Can't believe it's not minus three. Then going to round out the day with another one o'clock game over in Tennessee. I'm going to be taking the Titans plus three at home against the Baltimore Ravens. Tennessee's proved that they can just grind out nasty ass wins all year, nine to six. Lost last week, thirteen to twelve, in a backbreaker against the Buffalo Bills. I think you're getting a little bit of value. They should at least be favored by a little bit in this game. Not, not high on the Ravens. Tennessee's defense is solid enough to slow down Joe Joe Flacco, in my opinion, and uh, I think Marcus Marietta. Gets it close enough a couple of times for suck up to kick a couple of sixty yarders to okay. to win this one. So uh, I found that with the Titans. Titans plus three, Redskins minus one, Minnesota, that's the Golden Gophers, not the Vikings, plus thirty. USC minus seven and Akron plus eleven and a half. Yeah, when you mentioned that Minnesota game, I, mean, I looked at it and I was just like, I just can't do it. it ugh, it's gross and it's holding on for dear life. But it's probably gonna cash in the end. Um, all right, so there we go. That is yours. Here are my five favorite non-scheduled games for the week. First off, we're going to respect the troops. We're going to take Navy plus seven against Temple. Um, Ken Niamatololo, that is how you say that. Props for that. I, get, I should get extra points for that. Um, I should get plus eight. But he uh, he tends to cover as an underdog. And he usually wins the game outright when he's in home underdog. He's getting a Temple team that's probably getting a little overhyped from some of their recent wins. I'm going to take Navy plus seven there. Next up, we've got uh, Liberty. We mentioned them earlier. It's gross, and they're playing Troy. I'm taking Liberty. I'm taking plus ten. And the only reason I'm doing it is because Troy announced today their starting quarterback's out for the year. Um, I think this is going to be a situation where you see a Liberty team that's not anywhere near as good as Troy maybe be up at halftime going into the third quarter or going into the fourth quarter even possibly because it, it's going to take Troy a little while to get acclimated a new quarterback. So give me uh, give me Troy or give me Liberty plus ten next up. Let's um, I'm kind of all over the board. I really don't know where to go, but we're going to go late night out west. We're going to take Hawaii plus eleven and a half. They're playing a BYU team that probably still riding a little bit high off that Wisconsin win. Hawaii's not a bad football team. They're getting 11 and a half. It's a late night game. That passing attack, that'll travel. That'll play 11 and a half there. I like that. Next up, let's go give you an NFL special. The Texans, I usually say run from 10-point spreads, but I think they cover against the Bills. Bills have eked out a win against Tennessee and somehow just put it on the Vikings. 
and it makes no sense. That's the way the NFL is. The, the Bills are the worst roster in the NFL. It's not close, in my opinion. The Texans, I think last week was a huge win, grinding that out against the Cowboys on Sunday night. They proved that they know how to win, that they can can keep it um, together long enough to pull out a win. So I think that they just go out and crush it on Sunday, like 24-point win. Let's go 34-10, Texans. And then next up, final game of the weekend, I'm going to take the fighting Bill Snyders once again. Bill Snyder is a seven-point dog against Oklahoma State. He's at home. This is the third week in a row I've taken Bill Snyder. It's the third week in a row he's been a dog. And usually when you get Bill Snyder as an underdog three weeks in a row, he pulls out one of those as an outright win. He's covered the past two weeks as an underdog. I think he maybe gets the win, but I'm going to take the seven just to be safe, Kansas State. So let's roll through that again. Kansas State plus seven. The Texans minus ten. Uh, Liberty plus 10, Navy plus 7, and Hawaii plus 11 in the hook. All right. So now, if you're not familiar with the Deep Fried Bets podcast, it's the best time of the week. It's what we call the Stone Cold Steve Austin Lock of the Week. It's our favorite game of the week. We bring our buddy Stone Cold Steve Austin in. We, uh, we play the music. We drink cold beers, and we pick winners. It's what we do. Let's get to it. Boom! Stone Cold Steve Austin Lock of the Week. Who is it? Man, I've been waiting two weeks to get this one out. I am going to be riding high and totally zoned in on the twelve twenty Raycom game of the week. That's going to be your Duke Blue Devils plus three at Georgia Tech. Duke gets their quarterback back this week. Uh, They've held steady except for you know Virginia Tech. Hard fault uh, loss. I believe they're coming off of a bye, though, from last week. So, Cutcliffe, love, love riding with him whenever he's in the underdog spot. Uh, the guy knows nothing but covering in these types of situations. I like Duke to, to win the game outright. Go ahead and take the three. Give yourself a little bit of liability. All right, Duke plus three. Stone Cold Steve Austin, like of the week. Love that pick. Almost snuck into my vault, but um... – I got a little something different. It's an underdog, and it's a guy who loves being an underdog. This guy is a coach in the Big Ten, and he has been a seven-plus point underdog 16 times as a coach in the Big Ten, and he's 13-3 and against the spread. His name is Mark D'Antonio, and he coaches the Michigan State Spartans, who are catching 13 in the hook this weekend. And uh, they're gonna they're gonna cover that number. They are gonna cover that number plus thirteen in the hook. This is solely based on D'Antonio's uh, number against the spread. They have not looked very good, um, but I I think that they keep it within the number on Saturday. Penn State's been really good, coming off a of bye week. But uh, Franklin, man, he he lost that game to Ohio State, and he came in just like a fit of rage after like you know we're. We're changing everything we do around here. We're too good with being great, so they got to be elite, you know, whatever. So we'll see how that turns out. Bye week, he's instilled all that. But I like uh, I like Mark D'Antonio plus 13 in the hook on Saturday night. And that's the Stone Cold Steve Austin lock of the week, and that's the Deep Fried Bets podcast. We do it. We pick winners um, 
again, thanks to Peter Burns for joining us this week. Uh, really good interview, really good insight from him, as always. Um, boom, we got winners, but what else are you sending off to people with the weekend? Or people with well, into you know, the weekend? You, uh, you kind of gave uh, Push as a bad name earlier in the uh, episode. And not everybody, you don't always love when you push, but it's something that you kind of need to let you know that you are still gambling. And it's kind of like that neutral zone, kind of tapping the shoulder like, hey, you didn't lose this one, but it was almost a possibility. So maybe take a few steps back and, and kind of relook on the day and then put in about five more bets on whoever you like. Okay, so you know, a push is kind of like a, a get-out-of-jail-free card in Monopoly. Like, yeah, you kind of wasted a turn, but at least you had that get-out-of-jail-free card. It's kind of like having a Chipotle and then the after effects of Chipotle. But see, Chipotle is bad. Right, but right, it's miserable, but it kind of restarts you in a way. And you feel cleansed afterwards. Okay, so a push is like a Chipotle burrito. We got it. All right, that's a. that's the kind of analysis you can only get here from the Deep Fried Bets podcast. Again, thanks for every thanks to everyone for tuning in. Thanks to Peter Burns for joining us. Spread the word, tell your friends about it, and we will catch you next week.